0: Welcome to In the Room, episode number two. I'm Ryan Hughley, and I'm excited to have you for this episode of the podcast. If you don't know, I'm the founding and lead pastor of Redemption Bible Church just outside Chicago. You can find me at ryanhugley.com and on Twitter at at Ryan That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. Now, the concept of the podcast is simple. I want to bring you into the room with pastors, authors, and artists for conversations about the craft of ministry. Now, I know I said it was going to be two weeks till the next episode, but last week was so much fun and the feedback was so good that we decided to release episode two a week early. If you hadn't heard, In the Room broke the top 10 on the religion and spirituality section of iTunes. I couldn't even believe that, and that's all because of you. So please keep listening, keep letting other people know, and if you have a second, leave me a review on iTunes. Those reviews help me continue to get great guests for the podcast. Now, in this episode, I stopped by Harvest Bible Chapel to talk with Luke McDonald and Andy Razier of the Vertical Church Band and worship pastors in Chicago at Harvest. In our conversation, we discuss the evolution of Vertical Church music, what they're encouraged and concerned about in the modern worship movement, and the upcoming release of their third album, Church Songs. So regardless of whether you're on a treadmill in your car or sitting at your computer, I want to invite you into the room for my conversation with Luke McDonald and Andy Razier of the Vertical Church Band. All right, Luke and Andy, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Um, Luke, I wanted to start with you. Um, for people who don't know, you're a McDonald, so your dad is James McDonald, founding senior pastor. Yeah. Of Harvest Bible Chapel, which means you've had a unique vantage yeah. point. My which... brother
1: is Landon McDonald, host of Walking the Word yeah. TV. He's yeah. way wow. famous for the Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, I have a younger brother who's more successful and better looking yeah. than I am. So there I'll you go. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's awful. Uh, <laughs> but um, so you were born after Harvest was planted, yeah. and so I'm always curious for you. Like, what's it? What's it been like for you to watch what God's done yeah. at Harvest? Is it? still something that you look at and you're just in awe of or has it been normal for you because it's your only experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it been like for you to watch what God's done here?
1: So I'm 28 mm-hmm. and the church has just turned 26. So, um, so right, like you said, you know, I grew up in the church. Um, it depends on what aspect you mean. Like, So the church being a place that was alive and, and fun and significant and a place that I wanted to be part of. I, like, I remember that. Yeah. Always be feeling like that. Um, but you don't really realize in the moment you never see how unusual something is yeah it's only as I've been able to make lots of pastor friends and get around and see some different places and as we've had some different times. Part of it is that if you look across the scope of it like if you looked at it as a graph across 25 years it mm-hmm. looks like it's just gone kind of up and to the right constantly. Yeah. But the actual reality is that there's seasons where it feels like it's going straight up and yeah. seasons where it feels like it's going straight, straight down and yeah. seasons where it feels like it's going straight sideways sure. And so um, I remember some of those things as being a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when, you know, being 10 and mom says, like, you know, shakes you. You better be on your best behavior. Your dad's got enough things going right now. He doesn't need you being <laughs> yeah. a punk, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And and I remember the flip side of, like, like I remember, like, vividly... Uh, you know, like the church making budget one year, and yeah, like my dad got like you know like a three thousand dollar year raise, and we all went to like Outback Steakhouse, which yeah. was the equivalent of going to Paris, you know, <laughs> right. back then. And it was like, like the Lord's blessed us, and so like the Lord's blessed us, and so we're we're getting we have like a little more, and want you to know that like the Lord, we work hard, we do our best for the Lord, and He always takes care of us. You know, like I, so I remember all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I guess um, it isn't normal, and it isn't. Um, abnormal. It's just sure. the flow of all those different things is yeah. all kind of put together in my
0: mind. You hear all the horror stories about like being a pastor's kid and growing up and all of that, but one of the things that I've always really admired about you guys is all three of you your and your siblings are still close to your parents, yeah. love the Lord, and still a part of this church, which is an amazing thing. Were there, you know, do you just not have, the, was it, what was your experience as, as growing up yeah, in a yeah. pastor's home? Was it difficult for you or not? Um, what Do you think you had a unique experience?
1: I would say my parents did a couple things that I can see now. I only ever saw any of this stuff once I became a parent. Um, you know, I, I think that we, a lot of us have that experience where once sure. you become a parent, you all of a sudden start having a lot more appreciation <laughs> yeah. for the things your parents did right. The things that my parents did that um, really helped a lot was, number one, and this is the, like 90% of it, is that I never had a this person on the stage is different than the person that on the yeah. couch at home thing. Yeah. It just never crossed my mind. It never... Right. My dad for all of, and my mom, both of them, like yeah. if you know them, they're both, they have a lot of strengths and weaknesses and none of it's hidden down. It's all right. out in the open and pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, and I just saw them being the same person all the way across. And so to me, I never had that kind of like church dad is different yeah. than home dad thing. yeah um, That's one huge thing. And then I think the second thing is I think they made a lot of space for us to, to be who we were, yeah. to, to grow through... Um, God, there's this funny story that like of my mom. Some my mom came upon some awana leader when I was a kid saying, like, you know, you shouldn't act like that. Your dad's the pastor. You shouldn't like this. And, you know, my mom like put the guy in a chokehold or something <laughs> emotionally and was like, like, listen, like, if my kid is doing the wrong thing, my kid's doing the wrong thing. Right. But the fact that his dad's a pastor has nothing, nothing to, do to do with anymore. any of this. Yeah. that um, just paved the way for us. And then I think the other part is, I mean, the blessing. Like our church has been a place where God is alive and working. Sure. it's been a place where we wanted to be like this yeah. is this is, there was something happening all the time um, and so those would be the things yeah I mean yeah. I don't have like That's the good. I know it makes me not a very good millennial but I'm not yeah. like mad about yeah. the life I grew <laughs> up in I guess that means I can't yeah. really qualify for relevant podcast yeah. or whatever but.
0: <laughs> so how many I know that you've you've had a wide gamut of responsibilities growing up but like what? Where, what are the various ways in which you've served growing up? And yeah. then kind of bring us up to where you are now and what yeah. your current responsibilities are.
1: Well, I just remember, um, I remember being uh, like 14, 15 years old, you know, like when the Lord just started to capture my heart. And uh, I was like uncool to the max. <laughs> I mean, I'm still uncool, but I was like insanely uncool then. Uh-huh. And I, I remember that I like started, the guy who was the worship leader at the church at the time, I think he needed some more stuff to do, so my dad, likes said, you're going to start teaching my sons to play guitar, like, after school, one after okay. the week. So we would go over, and we started, and I just remember, I have these vivid memories of sitting in my room, like, playing the old cutting-edge era Delirious songs oh, yeah. and the Hungry Album Vineyard stuff, like yeah. that, these simple songs, and just playing them on my guitar for, like, hours. I mean, I must have just, I mean, just singing and uh-huh. just being, like, that, that was, like, oh, my goodness. And then, mm-hmm. so it just kind of, so then the next thing that happened was... Um, I got, I started leading worship for the fourth and fifth grade class on the weekend.
0: Okay.
1: And so I was like 16 at this point. There's 30 10-year-olds. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, the irony of worship leading is that the worst worship leaders usually get the hardest assignments. Yeah, right. that's definitely and true. And then like Chris Tomlin shows up in a stadium. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. insane. They're so yeah. excited. It's like, wow, you're a great worship yeah. leader. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, I mean, it was just awful, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, I was bad. The people playing with me were bad. The kids were terrible. I mean, just yeah. the whole thing was a disaster. <laughs> and every week I would finish it and be like, oh, this is the best thing ever.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: great. and uh and so in a really natural way um, one of the big criticisms of, of my of our generation is that we're not a generation that pays our dues sure and I'm blessed that like I had no choice because I wasn't qualified to do anything good for like a long time gotcha and so I would I was the stage manager like helping with the monitor mixes and I was the guy plugging in chords and yep. I just couldn't I wanted to be part of what was happening and so yeah. um, all through high school and then in college I was one of the worship leaders um, I had the blessing of one uh, our harvest campus in Niles like happened in about a week, and I was standing around and could kind of lead worship, so I got to be part of starting that. Um, so I kind of came up through the the worship thing, and then uh, midway through college, I started also leading one of the smaller youth ministries. And I mean, same thing, man. I would like. Start. I would be like all excited. I would have this message prepared. And it was like, I would block out like in the schedule 25 minutes and it would be like nine minutes. <laughs> I was like, I said all the things that I've ever known, all the things I've learned. Nine like, it's yeah. like, how long was, how was it? Oh, it was fine. Oh, nine minutes. Like, um, And, but you know, like in the way that it goes, like you just, you learn and you grow and you, and I had this, op- I had the blessing of, I can just, I could, if, if, if we had hours and we were talking, I could tell you. I could map out five times in my life where exactly the next thing that I needed to learn, an opportunity showed up right in my lap. Right. And I didn't go look for it and knock on a door for it and ask for it. It was like, we were there was a meeting that I wasn't part of where they were like, oh no, who's gonna do this? Yeah. And then the answer always seems to be, well, Luke is here, he's yeah. a punk, let's let him do it. <laughs> and so many times where I wasn't ready for something, yeah. but I had to reach for it. And yeah. it's just the Lord's grace. Yeah. Um, and so. Over the last ten years, um, I've been able to move into um, some more leadership in the church, and so right now I oversee uh, kind of across our campuses basically content um, mm-hmm. for the children's and student ministries and um, worship and vertical church band. Great. And so um,
0: you think now, so now you're managing a wide variety of types of people. Yeah. Don't you think the fact that you have done all those different roles and that you like you were slinging cable and moving speakers around, do you think that that gives you a unique? empathy and appreciation for a wider scope of people than it would have if, like, the very first gig you ever had yeah. was on stage with I think thousands that's probably of people right. in front of you?
1: I think the thing that it, it showed me is that um, uh, that people are the same across everything in their life for the most part. yeah. And that the person who is faithful and dependable and disciplined and thankful doing something small is gonna be that way when it's something big. right? And just yeah. that, I mean, you see that in scripture over and over and over and over, David being the most obvious example. Yeah. That like, you're not gonna be better later. Right. You're gonna be probably a little worse. Yeah. And so I think what, what it allows me to do is, I mean, we get these interns in for the summer, you know, or people that are just starting out, and it's such a blessing. We have so many young people come in, and and I just am able to say to them, look them in the face and say, I promise you what you're doing this summer, I've been able, I've done worse. yeah." I mean, my brother always laughs like he was one of the janitors at yeah. the time when I was one of the guys like doing production. That's just, that was part of the thing. And yeah. uh, and so I just always, I've had the blessing of being around a lot of people who've done like, I mean, legitimately incredible, like significant things with their lives. And if you track back through their story, every single time you find that they were really faithful yeah. with something really small. Yeah. So that's, that's always the thing.
0: Good. Uh, Andy yes. I appreciate you taking the time to do this you don't even have to say anything profound but the sheer fact <laughs> that you're British lends credibility well, to everything you. that comes out of your mouth um, so tell me a little bit about where you're from originally how'd you come to faith and then how in the world did you end up here
2: sure so born and raised in the UK uh, so I used to speak like this mate <laughs> uh, but my accent's kind of softened over the years um, uh, I first kind of got a glimpse of Jesus. My mom got saved at a Billy Graham crusade in 88, and I went with her. And in 88, you could kind of leave your kid in a stadium in his his seat while you went forward (laughs) to accept Christ.
0: They frown on that now. Yeah, Yeah. right. Um, So I
2: sat there and, um, and just was soaking the whole thing in and... From that moment, to started attending church with my mom, and eventually went off to a summer camp and uh, accepted Christ for myself. Wow. Um, uh, the worship leader at the camp led me to Christ,
0: All right.
2: and uh, and then when I went home to my own church, my youth pastor, who was a worship leader, you know, was like, "Hey, you play guitar, like, yeah. and you're saved now, so you can start leading songs," and. Uh, on the first week, he let me play, you know, I walked off stage, I would played two songs, I was like, how was it? He was mm-hmm. like, well, it was awful. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're up next week.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, like in that sentence, that was like a defining sentence for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. just like, yeah. um, and, so I put the band together, you know, I wasn't interested in writing songs anymore for girls, I wanted to write songs for Jesus. Yeah. And and, uh, started doing that we went we took ourselves we uh we raised some money took ourselves off down to the uh recording studio where the cutting edge guys recorded we were recording their tapes at that time slept on the studio floor the keyboard guy from delirious recorded our ep we started traveling the country um and uh we were never a thing, but something massive was happening in the UK at that time with Delirious, with Redmond, with, yeah. with Tim. And
0: Is that the soul survivor? Yeah, thing? and the, this
2: wave was breaking, you yeah. know, and all these churches over the country wanted to put on a youth event but didn't have a worship event. So we kind of get hired to like go to these yeah. different things. And a guy that was involved with uh, helping us out on the business side of that took a job like f- five minutes from here. Wow. for the summer um, and uh, called me up and was like you know hey I, I I went walking classic for a British guy right I went walking yeah. and looking <laughs> looking for a church and I walked into this place on a Thursday night it was a warehouse it says Harvest Bible Chapel on the side of it and they had a college ministry going on yeah. and he was like when I finish at the end of this summer you have to come out here mm-hmm. that was in 99 wow so I'm kind of really aging myself yeah. but uh But um, came out and visited, came out the next year and visited, brought a bunch of worship leaders that I was doing worship with, like paid for them to kind of come out. Mm -hmm. And and then eventually uh, they sat me down and they kind of offered me a job, which in the UK is very hard to get a worship leader job because, you know, lots of small churches, they hardly have enough money to pay for their pastor, you know. So you've got, you know, at the time I took the job here, you'd have to be like a Matt Redman or Tim Hughes to get a job, you know. So, so I just took it.
0: Yeah,
2: that was two thousand one.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, and that was when I started working here.
0: What was so you went from, like, touring around and leading people in worship, while the actual like function of the job is similar in leading worship. Yes. Being in a church. Yes. And traveling and leading worship is not the same thing. Yes,
2: I had never really had a desire to be traveling, the traveling worship leader guy. Okay. I actually always had in my heart, like, I want to look into the eyes of the same people every week, yeah. and I want to grow with those was people. Was that
0: transition hard, though, going from being in a season of moving all over to then now I'm in one place? No, small, it, no to... it
2: was kind of drying up Okay. back there in the UK, so I think the Lord kind of had his hand in it. However, the transition into full-time ministry was completely new ground for me. Okay. And I had built up in my head what, what I had thought that was going to look yeah. like um, but the um, I'd never really had any accountability or um, a pastor really pastoring yeah. me until I came here. And so um, I came here and looking pretty messy honestly mm-hmm. and the Lord used James and um, a lot of other situations in my life to really take some pretty heavy swings yeah. at me, and uh, obviously now, looking back, you know, I I see the Lord's hand in it all. Yeah. You know? But at the yeah. time, it was excruciatingly oh, I'm
0: Sure. Yeah. So. Well, one of the things that uh, one of the most influential roles that Harvest in general and you two in particular have played, both in my life and then our ministry at Redemption, is really helping us think um, more deeply about a philosophy of worship. Uh And I'd never before Harvest you before hanging out with you guys, I'd never really thought about having some sort of an end game and what we're trying to accomplish, a place that we're trying to get. I'd never really thought anything about much more than like, you know, what songs to sing and can I get the capo to be in the place so I don't have to change it very many times. And so I just wonder if you could explain a little bit about what your philosophy of worship is here, and uh, I think that'd be great.
1: Yeah, the uh, like I'll set the start, and then Andy can take the, the bulk. I think um, it starts from this core conviction that church isn't about um, people who don't know Jesus yet, and it isn't about people who know Jesus already. Church is about God. That's good. And and our and our end towards the church is not for something. Is not a missiological end, it's a doxological end. Mm-hmm. Better said, the, the, the end of it isn't what we do, it, it's who we are worshiping. Yeah. And so the whole point of what we're coming together for is towards reaching for and worshiping uh, a, a, a holy God. That's not just in the singing portion, but the whole thing, the whole purpose of the church and the church gathering is towards that end. That core conviction is the place where it starts.
2: That's awesome. I would add to that that uh, a lot of churches categorize their songs yeah. in lots of different ways yeah like you know fast or slow yeah. or, you know or <laughs> mainly that or, in, or in keys or in sure. themes yeah um and um i think one way to look at the way that we categorize our songs would be kind of like the the journey towards the holy of holies uh-huh. which is now open and available to us in our corporate worship time right. uh so as a worship leader i stand on the Southern steps, you might say, calling down into the valley at the beginning of the worship time. Come and worship the Lord. Come on, come on, come yeah. on. Songs like um, you know the, we sing, "Open up the heavens." We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling yeah. out to you. Um, all the way through to the inner, outer courts. Um, that conversation is so. Now we're not calling people to worship anymore. We're we're having conversation with each other. Yeah. What's going on in your lives? That, that's a me-based conversation. That's uh-huh. not about the Lord. But so important in this day, yeah. like if you listen to Christian radio, those are the songs that are being sung yeah. Yeah. Because, the, because the the mums with the kids in the car pull over to the side of the road. They happen to find themselves on Christian radio. They don't know the Lord and they pull their cars over to the side of the road. And they give their lives to the Lord yeah. because the songs that are being played are songs that are testimonial songs, songs like, not for a moment will you forsake me. Oh no, you never let go, you never let go of me. I'm the focus of the song, what God can do, but I'm the focus of it. And that's not the destination of our corporate worship because the destination in that pictorial journey is the Holy of Holies, which is available to us. And when we arrive there at that destination, God forbid that a conversation would ever be focused on us anymore. Right. But clearly, as we see in Scripture, face yeah. down reverence, like this, is all about the Lord. Right. You know, so songs like "How Great Is Our God," you know, um, uh, uh, you know, a Revelation song, you yeah. know, and then uh, we sing a bunch of songs here, kind yeah. of because we sing a lot of our own vertical church things. But another way I would look at it is also um, not to. Uh, dilute this context in yeah. any way but I was watching a Coldplay <laughs> DVD yeah. uh, with an interviewer Chris Martin and he talked about how before they go out on stage every week uh, before they go out on stage for a gig they talk about how this could be someone's first Coldplay gig or their last Coldplay gig and they want to address both sides of that and I sat there and I thought man, doesn't that apply to, a, yeah,
0: to us
2: as a worship leader yeah. Like because ultimately in our corporate worship what we are doing is rehearsing people for the big event. It's not about church, it's about the end game, which is worship. And our pastor gets up on stage and says, I don't preach to make you better uh, listeners, I preach to make you better worshipers. Worship is the end game. Now we don't know what that style of worship is, God gives us no necessarily hint of what His musical preference is, right. uh, and I think there's a, we could talk about. Other than that, he enough. likes he uh, likes new songs. He likes yeah. new songs, and he wants them played skillfully yeah. right?
1: and occasionally loudly. Yeah. Yes, but the
2: but the context by which the Lord gives us in in His Word of what the co- the content that we'll be singing is vertical scriptive. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: um,
2: so on the basis that I'm rehearsing people for the big event. Uh, Every week, the end of my corporate worship time, I want to get them to that place where they'll always remember that we always arrived at the destination where we gathered, we sang about our needs, but then we ended in a vertical, ascriptive place before our pastor got up to preach. Right. Um, Just one more thing. Like with that said, like uh, James can therefore get up and preach off of whatever he wants to preach on. Sure. Like you know, because we're not theming the services I mean if he's preaching about revelation sure we'll tip our hat to like all our revelation songs but but we're not bound to 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 theming the songs but something really unique I've seen as well in that progression of our heading to a five and then our pastor getting up to preach is that you know the week for me starts on Tuesday because my day off is Monday so like but I think the week ends and begins for a worship leader as they come into the weekend service. You know, I only like chocolate because I've tasted chocolate. Right. So I can only taste and see that the Lord is good because, I've, because he's revealed himself to me in the week. Right. And in corporate worship, I respond to the revelation of who Jesus is in corporate yeah. worship. And then my pastor gets up and preaches. Mm-hmm. That's not a responding thing, that's a sending out
0: yeah. thing.
2: So my, my corporate worship ends my week as a worship leader, as a worshiper, and then my pastor gets up and preaches, and he starts my week
0: mm.
2: as he preaches and as he sends That's me awesome. out. So when I end the week, I want to end it on a song that is the most reflective of the Holy of Holies, of the ultimate destination.
0: Very good. So then the way that that impacts practically your service planning yes. is that you're trying to plan that journey on a weekly basis. Yes. Yeah.
1: So like one of the, the beauties is I think that people mistake about creativity is that um, being creative isn't starting with a blank page yeah. and coming up with something. Being truly creative is finding new ways to get to the same place, right? Yes. When you see yeah. you see like an awesome movie, it isn't like you're, you're not seeing any plot twists or things you haven't seen right. before. They found a different way to take you along the same path. That's the good. stuff that responds to people. You know, like that idea that if you look at the most popular songs or the most popular movies or the most popular anything's of all time, you'll find that they have the ba- the same basic structure. Yeah, it's always the same. It's the way that they do it that um, yeah, makes good. people. So okay. in the same way, we're going for the same thing, and we spend like an incredible amount of effort. Yesterday, we were sitting planning, like three or four weeks, and and groups went and spent a bunch of time, and then they came back and reported, and we all hated all of it, yeah. kind yeah. of. <laughs> like, just, it's that the the goal is so important yeah. that nothing less than our full and best is acceptable totally. to That's giving good. to it. Yeah. And I think that without um, without realizing it, sometimes people see great worship environments, and they don't see all the things that it takes to get there. Yeah. So that um, people are like, oh, man, like... Oh my goodness, uh, Chris Tomlin—he's got so many great songs. Well, that's fine, but you didn't see all the ones he threw in the trash, <laughs> right? Like Harvest Man—they have these, um, they have these wow, like these great worship services. Well, yeah, but you didn't see like all the ones that we planned that we hated to get the one that works. You know what I right. mean? And, and anything that 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 uh, kind of editing process is a huge portion of it. So when it comes to planning our services, we're always aiming for that journey, and we're aiming to find a, a fresh way to get to it that sure. we haven't gotten to it before.
0: It's been a long time, I know, talking about that. You guys have a lot to say about that, but I really want to talk about the vertical church music sure. and thing and what it's become. Uh, worship, I know, has always been one of the four pillars that Harvest is built on. Um, you guys have always written and recorded. And, I mean, for at least for uh, a very long time. Um, but what I would say, just as an observation, is that early iterations of the worship culture here at uh, harvest and what has become vertical church music yes. are very different. Right. Right. So if you were to watch a service 10 15 years ago not just the st- I mean everything the style the look everything seemed the sound has changed a lot. Yes. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but it my observation is that there's been a change. And so sure. I'm curious about how exactly did that growth evolution transition was it an intentional decision? Or did it just happen over time? Does that makes sense. Yeah.
2: No, I think it, it um, both intentional, mm-hmm. you know, and um, well, the intentionality comes from our senior pastor. Um, there's no better senior pastor who's the, than the guy who's also your worship pastor as well. Yeah. Who's like uh, listening to the new worship, like listening yeah. to the. I I kind of see like. Um, New, the new, you know, new worship records as people just putting boats on the lake and the wind. The, only the Lord puts the wind in the sails yeah, of the boat. It's good. Like, you can put your sail up, but only the Lord can put the wind in right. it. Right. Like that's fact. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so all these worship records go out there, and and you start seeing over the years the ones that the Lord puts the wind in the sails yeah. of, and and you start following those things. Sure. You know. So. Um, and that starts with James. He's the one who's at home, like listening to worship music. See, we should sing that. We should sing that. There's a there's a new, this new Matt Redman song. this new Passion song. We should sing that. We should right. sing that. So he's been pushing that.
0: Okay.
2: But uh, but at the same time, like you know, he's encouraging us to be influenced by um, what the Lord is doing in modern worship and mm-hmm. constantly pushing it forward and encouraging us to write. Um, He's always been the biggest flag waver for that for us, um, and the first couple of Harvest records that we ever made were just
1: covers.
0: Okay. You
2: know,
1: um, and our record has been, yes. <laughs>
2: destroyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like buried in a hole. Okay. So no, no, but like, um,
0: I was going to use those as bumpers in and out of them. Yeah, right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but um, but what I love about I actually do have a couple of copies of them, and and you know once a year I'll kind of stick one in the. CD player and listen to it and what I penance and, well no, because one thing's really important about it is that the, at the season that that was recorded Yeah, that was the best. Yeah, that, that harvest could offer at that mm. moment and, and the whole church just got behind it Yeah, and that's exactly what we'll think of the records that we're doing right now 10 sure. years from now yeah. We'll look back at them and be like really, yeah. you know, but yes Yeah, because that was the boat that the Lord was putting the wind in the sails yeah. of at that moment so
1: I think that's significant, though, man. I just got to say this because I think so many people want where it ends up. And so people are willing to go through what it takes to go through. And so you can't, like, no one shows up with something for everybody the first day. Right, right. Right? Like, do you know how many songs David wrote out in the field that he was singing to the sheep before one that made it in God's word for all of time? Yeah. Like, that's just part of the thing, that there's always a gap um, between when you start and when it actually becomes something. And so. Our thing, the thing, the way that this thing has grown and become something is, we've been relentless about searching for new people that um, come up through the church or different people that can contribute to it. Yeah, we've been relentless about allowing more and more people to the table.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Andy's always been a champion for that. That like the more people, the better.
0: Yeah.
1: That the, the, as my part goes down, that probably means the whole thing is getting better. Yeah. And we've been willing to step out and do the best we had. Right now, yeah. So that we can get through it to the thing that's on that that's ahead. Um,
2: just like our service plans,
1: you know, we'll write.
2: Now we're writing way over a hundred songs per record, okay. you know, um, and oh man, are some of them bad. Seventy of those by the time we've even got home, yeah. Like we're just like yeah, we we never want to hear that ever again. Yeah. But but then uh, you know we'll we'll get, get around like Luke and I with to of other guys and, and and James to and we'll start listening through those songs and again we'll we're, we're just letting our heart kind of identify the the ones that have the wind in the sails because yeah. we we will all agree on that
0: mm-hmm. yeah
2: you know and usually out of if we wrote twenty songs it will be one
0: right
2: you know it'll be one that will be like I love that song
0: okay
2: and maybe that other one has a chance yeah but and then we'll play it to our congregation. And this is what I love about what we. This is the ultimate. Yeah. My love in, in this is the of this process, is that after you've been looking in the eyes of your people for long enough, you know when they're kind of giving you a thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. Right. Even in their eyes, you can tell it. Yeah. In their participation, you can for sure tell it. Yeah. Right.
1: It's like no, and, one, no one but Jesus. You remember that song? Yeah. Yeah, and we, was, we
2: like, we wrote this song for Lord the Lord
1: Jesus. Oh, man, we were so excited. Like, it, I love that song. I thought it was yeah. awesome. It's great. I loved yeah. it too. It's a yeah. great song. Yeah. We were just like so jazz, And I was like, you guys, like, this is the thing. I remember, like, we did yeah. it in church, and it was like Saturday night. I, I like, it was just. I mean, just awful. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was like people like hunched over, like thumbs down. <laughs> yeah. like, and, then, and then I called, like, because I was at one campus, and I was like, how did it go? It was like, oh, it was a disaster. Yeah. And then really? the worst part was we were stuck with it then. We had yeah. to still, like, go yeah. back on Sunday knowing everyone was going to hate it. Yeah. Um,
2: so when you look at our records, like,
1: what I love
2: about putting our records out is that I know what we're putting out is stuff that our church has sung back to us yeah. at the weekend. That's great. Then I'm like, okay, great. Well, yeah. you can take it or leave it. But my church loves it, right? You know, and and if we're not ultimately writing for them, then how do we ever expect someone in another worship culture to, to pick from that part? Yeah, yeah, that's good.
1: So this new project that we've got um, that's kind of launching January um, 2015 is uh, it's called Church Songs. Yeah. And one of the reasons for that is there's been a subtle move in worship, and uh, I don't demean what anybody else does, but mm-hmm. there's been a move towards, there's a lot of stadium songs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and there's a lot of living room songs, yep. and both of those are awesome. But church usually, for most people, very few people are holding church in a living room or a stadium. Most people are in a room somewhere, and it's 10.07 Sunday morning, and people that look a little tired and maybe a little uninterested are staring back at you. And the songs that we wrote are for that. Yeah,
0: that's good.
1: We didn't write a song for like the last night of summer camp,
0: yeah. even
1: though those are last night of summer camp's awesome. We always. didn't write a song for like, you know, like your your college Bible study with just a few people, like right. being depressed and an acoustic guitar. You know, like <laughs> the, you know, like that one guy who's always playing the acoustic guitar yeah. in the hallway. Yeah. I was like, why, why are you doing that? Uh, we wrote it for for church. Yeah, that that like that is the place where um, the highest and best happens. Believing significantly, like that. There's something that happens in church where together that's not I can't have that experience in my car by myself. Yeah, can't have it in my office. It's a different thing. Totally, everything we wrote is towards that.
0: Yeah, one of the things that, um, like, I'm I'm always curious what it's like for you. You guys have, I mean, vertical church music now has grown to like how many artists would you say like vocalists are a part of vertical church music now? Do you have a number? Ish ballpark. I mean, we
1: have about 15 worship leaders, and Um, some of
0: those people have independent careers yeah, as well, where yeah. they're writing and yeah. they're recording and they're touring and doing all that. So uh, obviously not every worship pastor or pastor is going to have that yeah. to manage, but there is a desire in, in a growing number of worship leaders to write and to be able yeah. to be used in a, in a greater way. So I'm curious about how, how do you manage the, the heart of these people and the complexity of them serving in the local church of them having tours uh, of touring yeah. and writing and having you know aspirations to do more like what is that how does that not get away from you how do you guys keep your arms around that and keep those people yeah, yeah, yeah. with you
1: um a few thoughts um i've got a friend uh, banning Lieberscher, he's the guy who oversees jesus culture okay and uh he has the saying that he gave to me that i've been using which is that church is like mama it's not good for mama it's not good for anybody okay and so like if some if anything that we're doing if it's not good for church yeah it's not good for anything
0: okay
1: um and so if the touring that we're doing is helping our church because it's allowing the artists to spread their wings it's allowing them to grow it's allowing us to whatever that is we should do it yeah. if uh, john guiera meredith andrews work with us and they're off doing I mean, all kinds of incredible things yeah um but in the end like everything that they're doing is dripping back into helping us with what we're doing so that's one thing. It's okay. just that simple thing. If it's not good for the church, it's not good for anybody. Um, I think the second thing is that uh, every artist has to learn that they are more significant the more people that can be utilized through their art. That their importance to a church goes up the more people that can do what they do. doesn't go down. Okay. All of us have to fight that. Yeah. That, like, a guy who can sing a song, I mean, Lord knows, like... I hope that you've seen on all these awful TV shows for the last fifteen years. There are an infinite, unending number of people that can sing a song effectively. Yeah, yeah. People who can find that guy, give him the song, and make sure that everybody's ready to help him crush it. Mm-hmm. Those people are one in a million. Yeah.
0: That's good.
1: So that the artist who sees that the end goal of what they're doing is towards platforming more people's gifts.
0: Yeah.
1: Not platforming my own gift. That's good. That's the person whose platform gets enlarged. Yeah. I've just seen it over and over and over and over. Um, And and then I guess as far as it goes for, you know, for like some of the stuff you talked about, about character and about um, church is honestly like the help for that. Because we've had this like I've been out with the guys and we're playing in an arena um, or we're playing in some concert where people show up and they know all your songs and they want you to sign your T-shirts and whatever. And that all starts to make you feel really cool and impressive, Mm -hmm. maybe, until it's 9, it's till it's 10.07 and you're standing in church again and the people are just, hey, oh, it's Andy. Right. It's not Andy Rozier from Vertical Church Band. It's, yeah. He's just, he's Andy. I don't even understand what he's saying half the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's and true. that's why church is such a great gift to oh, artists yeah. because it both is an amazing platform and just a perpetually humbling experience.
0: Yeah. Would you echo that as someone who's yeah. been on both? Disagree. I mean, you, you no. did both. I mean, you've been, no, you I, did it. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Like,
2: I think that... Um, anything outside of the church like the like god's going to take care of his bride
0: sure
2: till till the end day yeah so uh you can either get on that program or you can get on another program there's right. there's only the bride and other programs <laughs> right so so um like with meredith and john for instance who are deeply rooted in our the fabric of what we're doing here mm-hmm. but then also have other things like they know that at any point the law could just take the wind away from that. Yeah. But what they know is that they'll always have a, a church to return to. Yeah, and, and and if the Lord takes the wind out of that, we won't be being we won't be sitting around being like, well, we don't know what to do with you. Right. Like because they have something that they're doing here. Right. And uh, we uh, we brought in the 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 president of our um, label just to come in a couple of years ago just to sit down and like so all our worship team could meet him like hey yeah. we're, we're going on this new journey with this label like what does that mean like let's actually get a face behind that and this guy, I mean this guy's worked
1: with all of them like, Yeah, he would, Michael you know, W. Smith Amy Grant Casting Crowns I mean he's like yeah. on a first name basis yeah. he actually calls him Michael Smith because he knew him before the W <laughs> before the W it's a big deal <laughs> yeah. 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 I think um, he was born with the W yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah
2: I mean he goes back to like I mean I'm not trying to say he's super yeah. old but like he was like one of Rich Mullins' like best friends wow. and, you know like yeah. and and I've walked in the backstage of places with him in Nashville, and people were like, "Oh, hey, Terry," you know, yeah. you know. So, so we sat down and asked him, like, at the end of this long kind of getting to know you, Terry thing, like, "Hey, what's the one piece of advice over the years that you've seen that you would give to any artist?" And he was like, "Be rooted in the local church." Wow. Be rooted in the local church.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Wow. Um. Uh, there it is. It doesn't get much better than
0: that. No. Uh well, uh as you guys have like, I mean the the influence has gone up in a massive way through vertical church music, which I'm thrilled about. Um, but as you guys are touring and as you're having more and more interaction relationship with a broader scope of, uh churches, what are some things that you're seeing that you're encouraged by, uh, in yeah. the church as a whole, maybe as it pertains to worship, and then some things that, um you know without being hyper critical, just some things that are concerning that you'd like to see change and that you're fighting to be a positive force. Do you want us to go
1: all reform blogger on yeah, this? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> as angry and as negative yeah. as you can get.
1: Um, that's a good question.
2: I would say, uh, as always, I'm encouraged, like I'm connected with 65, 70 worship guys like across the Harvest Bible Fellowship. Yeah. Um, there's more than that. And some of them don't want to be connected and that's okay, fine. Yeah. But like I... <laughs> um, but we have pretty much a general conversation going on all the time. And um, yesterday we were in a big kind of conversation about uh, looking for, you know, vertical songs. And um, there's definitely like a. So I'm not just kind of involved just in this bubble. Yeah. I'm, I'm way involved in other people's churches too, different cultures, slightly different in and outside of Harvest. Yeah. And there's this definite constant um pursuit of depth in lyric.
0: Yeah.
2: Which is now that the worship uh <laughs> movement has become an industry. Yeah. yeah. And uh just like the recording studio movement also became an industry now that you can anybody sure. can have a recording studio. Right. You know, like I'm not just trying to pick on worship. But because it became so saturated and it's easy just for anybody to get a you know, I love Jesus, He is great, He is awesome all the time. Song, yeah, out there write that down and yeah. get it, and, and they can upload it to iTunes yeah. and they can convince everybody that they're a thing. Like, yeah. there's still this, like, this, this inherent, like, I, I want depth, I want to go for depth, I want to go for something yeah. that I haven't said to the Lord before. Um, or I have said it, but I'm saying it in a different way this yeah. time, and I love that. Yeah. I love that, like, it's the soul inside someone ultimately like hungering and thirsting for like yeah for, for, for depth and worship that's yeah. really encouraging
1: yeah. to I see um on the positive side um I think the, the the water level as it pertains to musicianship yeah and skill level and yeah. expectations has way just up. gone up yeah in a way it's incredible I mean since I was in high school totally. even yeah. since I've been around like it's just it's awesome there's just a whole generation of people that grew up like going after it. I think that that's Something that's really cool. Another thing that I see that's awesome is uh, I see um, I see us getting off of the back foot as it pertains to sort of perpetually chasing culture. Yeah, And I see churches just starting to find their lanes and going after things musically in a way that's really cool. Those are things yeah. I see that are awesome. Something I see that's just um, I think that uh, it's it, social media is like the cool thing to criticize you know whatever. Yeah. But I think what um, our hyperconnected culture has has created. I mean you can log on and watch anybody's church service anytime you want. you can is, there's you can see and know so much yeah And I think that there's some I think that, that turns your learning curve down. You can learn a lot yeah. fast. But I think what it does that's really bad is it it pushes us into a sense of it, it, what we're doing isn't good enough and it's never going to be. Yeah, And I think that just, I've seen this over and over and over and over in the things that we've worked on and the things that we've done, that people overestimate how much they can do in the short term and underestimate how much they can do in the long term. Yeah. That they that they, they think that, they first start thinking, oh man, in six months, I'm going to have this, like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like, I mean, it's, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be David Crowderband in six right. months. Yeah. Says, no, you're not. Yeah. On the flip side, then once that doesn't materialize, then they're tempted to say, it's never going to be better than it is now. Right. I think it's just there's no secrets to anything. Yeah. This faithful, consistent pursuit of of goal is right. going to achieve. Yeah. And um and so just in that, I think that that just for everybody, just turning off like, turning off their sense of it, it's not as good as it is over here. Sure. And just like there's something so incredibly God honoring about getting with a group of people and going from bad to mediocre to good to great through all the highs and lows, just pushing forward on that.
0: That's good. As you guys have, this is kind of the last question, but as you guys have a growing number of worship leaders looking to you, and it's part of what you're talking about, Luke, but there's going to be people that are looking in and uh, in awe of what God's doing here, and have a desire to see that happen in their own churches and through their own ministries, and so they're going to run hard after that, but lots of those people are laboring alone Mm -hmm. and with very little resource, Mm -hmm. and it would be easy for them to get to a place of discouragement when they begin to compare what they're at currently with what you guys have spent 25 years sowing into. So what would be kind of the one or two things where you would really tell, you know, guy or gal on their own, just kind of... Normal church, but they, you know, they want to like. Where would you tell them to invest their focus and their energy, um, and to not grow discouraged?
2: Okay, all of it is for me. Just is wrapped up in one phrase that I kind of live my life by a little bit. Okay. Um, love the people more than the music.
0: That's
2: good. Uh, I love music. Yeah. I love music. I love what we do, um, mm. but um, but just in the. Well, the bigger picture of that is definitely a prioritization of God, people, music. God loves music, yeah, but um, He's about Himself and mm-hmm. His glory, and then He's about His church, His bride. That's good. Music is just a form,
0: yeah.
2: It's just a vehicle. Like, you know, you don't fly to England and then spend a week in England talking about the plane that you just flew on, right? Right. So, um, so uh, if I ever write the best song. The, that I'm ever going to write, I need the Lord to somehow invade the room and tap on my shoulder and say, Andy, I don't want you to play that for a single person. I just want that for me. Yeah, that's good. Because um, because as soon as you think that the, the church, you know, or like a, God forbid, like a label or iTunes or getting it out there is success, mm-hmm. uh, you are just you're drilling holes in your own bucket, you know, as you're trying to fill it up. Like, so um, keep your eyes on the fact that the greatest goal of anything is the Lord and letting him um, give you grace in your church and put favor behind your songs. Um, But, you know, as our pastor has so often said, and just kind of piggybacking on what Luke just said, like the grass is the greenest where you water it. It's good. Right? So you spend all your time kind of peering over the fence looking at our field, like your grass is gonna die. Yeah. And then you'll turn around and be like, My grass is dead. Right. You know, there's this green well, yeah, it's because you you, because you weren't looking at it, because you weren't watering it. So uh, you know, for the for the guy out there who's a worship pastor of of twenty people, that's twenty souls that the Lord has entrusted. You and you can write great songs for those people that have et- et- eternal significance on those people, and uh, and the Lord has entrusted you with twenty souls. It, it's not a, a numerical based thing, yeah. you know. That, that would be my encouragement. I
1: think what I would say is uh, is that the sooner you realize that it's going to cost more than you think, and it's going to be more worth it than you can imagine you're on the road to somewhere significant. That that you just don't, most people don't see how much people who are doing something significant had to go through. Yeah. Just look in Scripture. Yeah. The people that God uses the most are the ones that get broken the most. Yeah. And so, if you want to do something significant, it's going to crush you. Yeah. It's going to be really breaking. And then on the flip side, it's going to be so worth it, more yeah. than you can imagine. So just don't go yeah. into it. Go into it with open eyes. Yeah That's just reality, and uh, when you put your hand to something for a long time, God's gonna do something great.
0: That's great, good. Well, I thank you guys both uh, for all your help, just for me personally, for our church, and for taking the time to do this. So the new record is uh, church songs. Church songs, Songs, and do we have an official release date?
1: Uh, January twentieth.
0: January twentieth. All right. Depending on whether
1: we just upload it to the iCloud for free, and Apple pays us (laughs) a hundred (laughs) million. (laughs) dollars. we'll pray for that.
0: (laughs) All right, thank you guys very much for your time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of In the Room. Now, there was so much wisdom, it's hard for me to take it all in 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 what was just said. But here's the one thing that struck me the deepest. When I asked Luke about what his parents, James and Kathy McDonald, had done right as parents in ministry, he said that they were the same at home as they were at church. And that just totally reinforces for me the importance of being the same guy on the playground with my kids as when I stand in the pulpit and preach. that's my one thing from this conversation. And I really want to hear yours. What was the one thing that will rattle around? in your brain after listening to this episode of In The Room. You can join the conversation online using the hashtag In The Room. Now, don't forget to stop by iTunes and leave me a review. And as always, you can find me at RyanHugley.com and on Twitter at at RyanHugley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. We're going to be back next week with episode number three in my conversation with Justin Taylor, author, blogger, and senior vice president of Crossway Books. So until then, we're in this together. So I hope this was helpful. I love you and I'll talk to you next week.